Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Pete McCall, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. I'm doing a series where I'm reading from my book, Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. I really highly recommend you go back and listen to the previous episodes, so that way you pick up where you left off. Because right now we're in chapter one. Chapter one is how exercise changes your body, and I'm reading from a section on muscle. The reason why I'm doing this is I wrote the book to help you understand how to design exercise programs. I want, I've want i been educating personal trainers, and I want to educate you. That's why I started the podcast. That's why I do what I do. I just want to help you learn how to do exercise. Now, one thing before I get into the book, it's important to understand. Now, this is my first book. Smarter Workouts is my first book. I just finished a book on exercise recovery. That really, that's been a huge, huge topic of mine, huge area of interest of mine going back about 12 years now. It was in the late 2000s when CrossFit was becoming way, way popular. I mean the late aughts, you know, maybe 09, 10, 29, 2009, 2010. CrossFit was really popular and I was working at the American Council on Exercise. And I realized that there's all this high intensity exercise, but nobody's talking about recovery. Nobody's talking about what to do after exercise. And that's when I started my journey trying to understand the science of recovery and, and really trying to learn it. And I use that information to write a book that's going to be coming out in early 2023 about how to use recovery, about how recovery supports exercise. So in Smarter Workouts, I'm reading to you now, it's about exercise, how to design an exercise program. And in the next book, that well, I have Ageless Intensity, which is how high-intensity exercise slows aging. But my third book is going to be how, how to use recovery, how to really... Use recovery to speed recovery, accelerate recovery, because recovery can get the results you want. So here we go into chapter one. This is, I'm continuing with chapter one. This is muscle growth stimulus. We're looking at how muscles grow. If you have read any popular fitness magazines or received advice from other fitness enthusiasts, you may be familiar with the concept that strength training damages muscle tissue. And because of that damage, muscles repair themselves, become stronger, and in some cases bigger. Huh, sounds familiar. That this is relatively accurate, 
but incomplete description of the mechanisms responsible for muscle growth. There's absolutely no dispute that strength training causes muscle growth. However, identifying the most effective type of stimulus to cause that growth is a little more nuanced. This is because strength training introduces two specific types of stress, mechanical and metabolic, each of which can provide the necessary stimulus for muscle growth. A high-intensity load in the form of an extremely heavy weight applies a mechanical stress to muscle, whereby performing a high number of repetitions to the point of momentary fatigue creates a significant metabolic stress. Mechanical stress refers to the physical forces imposed on the structures of a muscle fiber. Strength training imposes mechanical forces that cause microtrauma to muscle fibers, which in turn signal the biochemical reaction to produce the new satellite cells necessary for repairing the mechanical structure of the muscle tissue. Mechanical loading of the the contractile element can initiate signal changes within a muscle that create hypertrophy. When muscles generate mechanical force, the structure of the tissues and how they perform changes. One thing is certain. Strength training with progressively heavier weights causes muscles to grow and become stronger. What what is not 100% understood, however, is whether these changes are the result of mechanical or metabolic overload. Both the amount of weight used and exercise into a point of momentary fatigue can impose the stresses that initiate adaptations. Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, a researcher, who by the way has been the guest on the podcast a couple times, Dr. Brad Schoenfeld, who studies how muscles adapt to strength training observed, Mechanical stress is unquestionably a primary driving stimulus in post-exercise muscle growth. There is compelling evidence that metabolic stress may also contribute to hypertrophic adaptations. A problem with the research is that mechanical and metabolic stress occur in tandem, which can make it difficult to tease out the effects of one from the other. That's a direct quote from Dr. Schoenfeld. What that's saying is that we don't know what's more responsible for causing muscle growth. Is it the, the, the damage caused by mechanical stress or is it the fatigue caused by metabolic? We just, there's not a way to isolate that, so we just we don't know. We know that both are involved. That's what the science has found, but we're just not sure which one has more influence. Let's get on with it. So this is muscle fiber types section in the chapter. Your body has different types of muscle fibers, which are classified by how they function. Type 1, slow twitch, and type 2, fast twitch. Understanding how muscle fibers differ from one another and the functions they are best suited to to suited perform can help you understand how different types of exercise can produce specific results. Slow twitch muscle fibers are also known as aerobic muscle fibers because of their ability to create energy from oxygen while then allowing them to allowing them to sustain force over an extended period of time. Tonic stabilizers are the muscles responsible for producing and maintaining good posture and are composed of mainly type 1 fibers. Type 1 muscle fibers are activated by type 1 motor units the endpoint of the nervous system attached to a bundle of muscle fibers. When a muscle is required to generate a force, the central nervous system, CNS, will recruit type 1 motor units and muscle fibers first. Once they fatigue, other motor units and muscle fibers are recruited to generate the necessary amounts of force. There are different classifications of type 2 fast-twitch muscle fibers. Type 2B, which produces energy without the presence of oxygen, anaerobic, and type 2A, which, depending on the training stimulus and need for energy, takes on characteristics of either type 1 or type 2B. Both classifications of type 2 muscle fiber, referred to as phasic muscles, are, re- are responsible for creating the higher levels of force necessary to produce human movement. So this basically, th- this is covering the fact that we have different muscle fibers that are responsible for do- producing different outcomes. 
if you do more strength, if strength of power is easier for you. If you're more of a power athlete, you play soccer, football, rugby, lacrosse, uh, you're probably more type two muscle fiber dominant. If you enjoy walking, running, swimming, cycling, if you enjoy endurance activities, you're probably type one more muscle fiber dominant. So understanding that about your physiology and yourself is one way to identify the best exercise program for your needs. So let's get to it. All muscle fibers are activated by the motor neuron, which is a connection between the CNS and the individual muscle fibers. A motor unit, which functions like a light switch for your muscles, is a motor neuron and the individual muscle fibers attached to it. When a light switch is turned on, it completes an electrical circuit causing the light to shine. When a motor unit receives the appropriate command from the CNS, it sends the signal to the attached muscle fibers causing them to contract and shorten. When the body needs force from a particular muscle or group of muscles, the CNS sends a signal to the appropriate motor neurons to initiate the necessary contractions to perform a specific task. Motor, motor, units, sorry, motor units can be classified as fast twitch or slow twitch based on the individual fibers to which they are attached. Slow twitch motor units and the attached muscle fibers have a low threshold for activation, low conduction velocities, and are engaged for long-duration activity requiring minimal force. Fast-switch motor units, on the other hand, are attached to type 2 muscle fibers and can produce more force in shorter periods of time, have a higher activation threshold, are capable of conducting signals at higher velocities, and are better suited to strength and power-based activities. Motor units are activated according to the all-or-none theory, which postulates that when a, mo when a mo motor unit is activated, it shortens all the attached muscle fibers. Type 2 muscle fibers have a larger diameter than type 1 fibers and are responsible for increasing the size and definition of a particular muscle. In addition to increasing the efficiency at which type 2 motor units function to generate force, strength training initiates a number of important adapt adaptations in type 2 muscle fibers, including increasing the quality and quantity of the muscle proteins and anaerobic enzymes that affect the structure of muscle. Specific structural changes include increasing the quantity of enzymes necessary for anaerobic metabolism, elevating the amounts of energy substrates such as phosphagen and glycogen stored in muscle, as well as increasing the contractile proteins of myosin and actin, specifically the myosin heavy chains that become thicker, allowing muscle contractions to occur with more velocity and greater amounts of force. This is the thing about muscle fiber adaptation. I know that's a lot, there are a lot of technical words in there, so I'm actually going to skip ahead a little bit. There are a lot of technical words in there, but what this is describing is how the different types of muscle fibers function. You have your, your type 1, which produce more low intensity force. They sustain. So when you walk, when you, when you walk, you cycle, you re do relatively low to moderate intensity activity where you can control your breathing and are able to talk, you're using primarily type 1 muscle fibers. You're working on endurance. Now, the thing is your muscles that are responsible for stabilizing your body, your posture and whatnot, they're primarily type 1 fibers as well. Type 2 fibers are more explosive oriented. They develop more force. Now, the thing is, if you want better definition or muscle growth, we need to stimulate type 2s. Let's, I'm going to go into one little bit of on fascia. So this is going into the kind of physiology components of muscle tissue. The first part is muscle fiber with the different fiber types. Now we're getting to fascia. Exercise affects all the tissues in your body, not only your muscles, which are just the most visible. Within the human body is a complex network of muscle, fascia, and elastic connective tissue, organized into one single integrated system responsible for maintaining a constant equilibrium of forces. Fascia, the non-contractile elastic component of muscle tissue, can be broadly defined as a soft, fibrous connective tissue interwoven between all the cells and organs within the human body. 
and should be considered an organ in its own right. Research suggests that non-contractile connective tissue is the richest sensory organ in the body, containing many nerve endings and sensory receptors when compared to the fibers of the contractile element of muscle. As important as fascia is to the proper function and appearance of your body, how many times have you started a workout thinking, today is my fascia training day? Mechanotransduction describes how mechanical force initiates chemical changes to the cells that are the building blocks for various tissues of the body, including bone, muscle, fascia, and elastic connective tissue of the body. The architectural term tensegrity is a combination of tension and integrity and refers to a structure that is self-supporting through a combination of tensile, lengthening, and compressive, shortening forces. Muscles shorten, they compress, and lengthen, stretch. The entire myofascial system is a balance of compression and tension. In response to these competing forces of compression and tension, fascia and elastic connective tissue maintain a constant equilibrium between synthesis of new cells and remodeling of existing ones. Now, I'm going to kind of skip ahead here, but what, what this is basically saying, what this section is talking about, is that in, in our tissues, in our muscles, we have the contractile element, type 1, type 2 muscle fibers that generate force. And then we have the elastic tissue and the non-contractile element, which surrounds every individual muscle fiber and responds to force. This, this creates, we have to rethink of, our, of the body as a structure. We have to look at the structural approach to the body. In the last episode, I talked about my, my education as an economist. And I look at exercise as kind of an economics challenge where we're trying to get more out of our unit of time. We have one hour or so to exercise. So how do we get the most, what's our biggest, greatest return on investment of that hour? That, that's how I look at exercise. And when we look at muscle, we have to understand that muscle works with other tissues in the body. We can't just isolate it. That's why isolation training is so bleh. You know, we have to understand there's fascia, there's other tissues, ligaments, all these things in the body that should be considered um, when designing the exercise program. So I'm gonna go into it, talk a little bit about the skeletal system here. Another component of the body that is directly affected by exercise, yet is often overlooked in traditional exercise programs, are the bones of the skeleton. The skeletal system is, is the support system for the human body. The bones create a structural framework to protect internal organs while allowing for multi-directional movements generated by the muscle, fascia, and elastic connective tissues. A joint is an intersection where two bones come in proximity to one another, but do not touch. Joints that allow movement around a fluid-filled joints allow joints that allow movement around a fluid-filled cavity are called synovial joints. All joints serve a purpose to either allow mobility through a structural range of motion or limit and provide stability. Limit motion, sorry, limit motion to provide stability. Efficient movement is an integrated coordination of unrestricted motion at the mobile joints combined with structural support created by the stable ones. Now, it goes into a little bit more detail here about different sections of the body, and I go, well, I go into, not it, I wrote it. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying here is I'm really trying to get you to understand is that in our systems, our, our, our skeletal structure is very important. It is, it's, some people call it a lever system. I don't, that's not necessarily wrong. I, there are other kind of looks at that because there's not really a fulcrum. We don't really have a single fulcrum. Anytime you look at joint motion, it's a, it's a moving axis of rotation. So if you really want to be nitty-gritty, we don't have a single-axis fulcrum, so can you really argue that we have a lever system? And I'm sure some of you out there are going, dude, they're levers. Other people are going, huh, what the hell is he talking about? Um, but that's where you kind of get down into the weeds of the science. The, the point is, when you exercise, you're not just affecting muscle, you're affecting fascia, you're affecting skeletal structures, you're affecting the central nervous system too, which is the next section. So I'm going to get back to it. 
You've been learning how exercise affects various structures within the human body. Now it's time to learn how the various systems of the body are organized to function as a single, integrated unit. Muscles receive the input to shorten, lengthen, control force from sensory receptors of the CNS. Movement happens as a result of muscles working together as a coordinated system around the joint. As muscles on one side of the joint shorten to initiate movement, the muscles on the other side lengthen to allow the limb to move through its structural range of motion. Think about a movement that you do every day, such as putting your keys in your car or walking from one room to another. What does it take to perform that movement? How many muscles are involved? How many joints are working together to allow your body to go through that movement? When you, when you execute that movement, do you tell your brain to activate specific muscles or just go directly to the learned range of motion of the movement known as the movement pattern? When, you're, when you move, your nervous system does not think of one specific muscle involved in the movement. Rather, it identifies a movement pattern then activates and coordinates all of the muscles necessary to complete that pattern. Many of the daily movements we perform happen as a result of these subconscious reflexive actions. One of the benefits of an exercise program based on movement patterns, as opposed to isolation muscle action, of isolated muscle actions, is that movement patterns can help you develop and refine integration between your nervous and muscular systems so that efficient movement skill becomes a subconscious reflex, allowing your conscious mind to focus on other things as you participate in your favorite activities. The nervous system works to feel what is happening in your environment so that it can select the appropriate muscles to generate the proper amounts of force required to create movement. This is called proprioception. The CNS, the muscular system, and skeletal system are independent from one another, yet they must operate interdependently to create efficient movement. Sensory receptors, often nerve endings, in ligaments, joint capsules, muscles, and connective tissue provide specific information about the position of a joint and its rate of change as it moves through a range of motion. In addition, sensory nerves operate within muscle and fascia to detect whether a compressive force is needed or a tensile force should be allowed. Optimal movement efficiency means that the nervous system receives the inputs, allowing a muscle to lengthen rapidly as the muscles on the opposite side of the joint shorten, resulting in unrestricted joint motion. So again, your nervous system controls muscle, muscle activity. When one muscle, Think of your elbow. When your biceps shorten to bend your elbow, your triceps have to lengthen to allow that motion to happen. That's controlled by the nervous system. If you've ever had a massage, well, it's not, you know, think about it this way. If you contract your quadriceps, your leg has to extend, so your hamstrings have to lengthen in order for that to happen. That coordination is very important. That's another reason why doing movement pattern-based exercises in my opinion, should be the way that we train because we're working on that coordination. We're integrating our nervous system, our muscles, our fascia, our skeletal structures, everything together. So I'm going to wrap up this section here. I'm going to finish up, uh, read just one or two more pages and, and then uh, wrap, this, uh, wrap this episode down. But the role of the nervous system in controlling and improving movement. Think about how you use your body every day. When is your balance challenged? When do you have to move quickly to change directions? If you have to pick things up off the floor or balance on one leg to reach up on a shelf, balance should be a critical part of your training plan. Likewise, if you have young children who are a bundle of energetic, unpredictable movement, or you live in an urban community where you have to navigate crowded subways and sidewalks, adding exercises for mobility, dynamic balance, and agility can help improve your ability to change direction rapidly while maintaining control of your body. 
How many times have you walked into a gym thinking, I'm going to train my coordination and dynamic balance today? (laughs) Probably not very often. It can be a challenge to improve these skills, which is why many people avoid doing it. However, the good news is that with a proper exercise program, you can improve these skills almost immediately. And that's true. When I, when, I have client, when I had clients work on balance, you would see them get better almost right away within two or three sessions. Oh, no, I can't balance that well. Well, guess what we're going to work on? We ain't going to work on something you're not good at. We're going to work on stuff that you're, we need to get better at. We're not, or sorry, we ain't going to work on stuff and you're already good at. I want to work on stuff you're not good at so we can get you better. That was my goal. Coordination is a combination of dynamic balance and agility. Dynamic balance is the ability to maintain your body's center of gravity, which itself is a critical component of the core region, over a constantly moving base of support, your legs and feet. Agility is the ability to rapidly decelerate, change direction, and reaccelerate while maintaining control of your center of gravity. Improving skills such as dynamic balance and agility is simply a function of uploading the right sensory information into your nervous system and is a critical reason why following a movement-based exercise program is so important. You're uploading a tremendous amount of information as well as the mechanical forces that influence adaptation and development of the muscles. For an exercise program to be successful, all systems must work together. The nervous system will detect what is happening around you and will select an appropriate mode of response for the muscles to produce the corresponding movement. Muscles will then work to move the structural support system of the skeleton, Skills such as agility, dynamic balance, and strength are not discrete components of human movement, but instead rely directly on one another to allow you to achieve an optimal mechanical efficiency and maximize movement skill during any physical activity, whether exercise or activities of daily living. The nervous system and strength gains. Strength, or muscle force output, is a function of the number of individual muscle fibers involved in producing force for movement. Intra-muscular coordination is the efficiency at which the nervous system recruits and activates individual muscle fibers within a particular muscle and is based on three separate components. So these components are how, kind of how a muscle contracts. There's a muscle fiber recruitment. The lengthening phase stimulates muscle spindles to activate muscle motor units within a specific muscle. Synchronization. The simultaneous activation of more muscle motor units to increase force output. And rate coding, the speed at which muscle motor units are activated by the nervous system. Have you ever lifted a heavy weight and felt your muscles shaking? Those are your muscle motor units being activated. That's, that's electricity literally being pumped in your muscles for the muscle fibers to contract. That's what's happening. You have muscle fiber recruitment. That's the benefit of using a heavier weight is you're going to activate more motor units and more muscle fibers. You get stronger. Using a heavier weight won't necessarily make you bigger. You recruit more muscle fibers. Whether or not those muscle fibers are trained to store more carbohydrate and water, that can influence how big they become. That's the difference between training for strength and training for size. Training for strength, you're focused on force production. You're not focused on muscle size. But training for size, you're not really focused on how strong you are, but you're trying to work to a point of fatigue. And when you you fatigue, you're depleting carbohydrate. And so then you store more carbohydrate in the muscle cell. That, that's, that's basically strength 101 and muscle growth 101, right? Is you strength training, you activate more muscle motor units, become stronger. Muscle growth, you need to deplete, you deplete carbohydrate. So muscle becomes the muscle cells become more efficient storing carbohydrate. Carbohydrate or glycogen as glycogen carbohydrate is stored in muscle cells as glycogen. Glycogen holds on to water, and that's what creates muscle growth. Boom, done. 
Um, what Finally, I'm going to read this as a sidebar from uh, chapter one. What science says, the body functions like a computer. A computer provides an accurate analogy for how various systems function together to generate movement. As a computer is a collection of different pieces of hardware, specifically plastic, metal, glass, wires, and circuits. When wired together into an integrated system, this hardware is relatively useless unless there is an operating system to organize how it all functions together as a single unit capable of performing a variety of functions, from writing documents to searching the internet. The muscle, fascia, elastic connective tissue, and skeletal structures are the hardware of the human body. Just like the individual components of a computer, the various structures of the human body need a central operating system to initiate the commands for performing specific functions. The nervous system plays a role of the operating system, which organizes the signals to the hardware to initiate movement. Unlike a computer, which needs specific instructions from software telling it what functions to perform, the nervous system is a self-learning system, constantly receiving a variety of, imp- of inputs that determine the outputs are to re- result in the execution of specific movements. So think about, I'm going to wrap up with this, wrap up this episode with this. Think about your body, your brain, like a computer or like your cell phone. It both work. You have the hardware, but it's the operating system that makes it work. Now, taking it a step further, anytime you do an exercise, you're downloading new software. If your nervous system is your operating system, anytime you learn to squat, lunge, push-up, that's software that allows your muscles to work and perform specific functions. So in essence, I mean, you're, you're programming your body. And that's why movement training, what I, what I talk about in this book, what I go into detail in later chapters, is why movement training really is more beneficial as opposed to isolation training. I mean, obviously that's my bias, but it's it just, the evidence is there that if you want to just feel better, move better, perform better, that really training integrated systems or doing multiple muscles at one time is probably the better way to go. Now, if you want to get big muscles, if you want to get shredded, if you want to walk on a stage in your underwear, by all means, isolation training is the most effective way to go. I'm not going to say don't do it, I just, what I'm trying to do is help you, help you, the reader, help you, the listener, understand that you have to, under, if you understand your physiology, if you understand how muscles respond, then you can identify which is the right training for your goal. And that's, again, where you get people who maybe want to get big muscles, but they're doing 15 reps and they're not working to fatigue. That's not going to happen. If you understand your physiology and how muscle fibers respond to exercise, then you know how to tweak or design any exercise program you might want to do. So with that, that's going to wrap up. This is still part of chapter one. I am Pete McCall. This is all about fitness. And what I'm doing is I'm reading from my book, Smarter Workouts, Science of Exercise Made Simple. It came out in 2019. I'm going to start doing revisions for the second edition next year. It'll be out in 2024. But I'm reading through it now to help you understand how to design your own exercise program. So doing chapter one, how exercise changes your body. We'll pick it up next time. Remember, for performance, for recovery, to feel better using great nutrition that does not have any junk in it, visit G-O-G-N-A-R-L-Y. That's GoGnarly. That's GoGnarly.com. That's GoGnarly.com. Sport, that's Gnarly Sports Nutrition. GoGnarly.com. Use AA Fitness, AA Fitness to save 15%. Hey, you can reach me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. You can find me on the gram, All About Fitness Podcast on Instagram. And as always, thank you for stopping by. I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.